0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Since the church, the body of Christ, is made up of people, the church is going to have problems. There is no such thing as a perfect church, at least not this side of heaven. You've heard the expression, the statement, if you find a perfect church, please don't join it. I was reminded this week, just some of my own study and discussions that Renee and I were having in our travel, just about spiritual things, and uh, she's been studying uh, a Bible teacher, an author that has brought out rightly uh, the fact that everybody is broken. We're all broken. Why? Because we all are still in sinful flesh. If you know Christ, your sins have been washed away, but you haven't gotten a new mind and you don't have new flesh. When the Lord comes back, or when you get resurrected after your body, this temporal uh, tabernacle stops working, you're going to get... Uh, All things new. But not so right now. And so the church is going to have problems because the church is people. And when the church is yielded to the spirit of Christ who indwells her, she still will have problems because there will be, if the church is spirit controlled, there will be growth. And Satan will attack So even if folks are walking with the Lord and people are right and and they come in to worship the Lord and they have a heart to serve the Lord, there's still going to be problems. It's warfare. Uh, Right now Satan is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's got a large team of demons. And they're doing all they can to destroy the flock of God and to deceive this world so that they don't become part of God's flock. It is warfare. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Churches are more like hospitals than country clubs, and, or they should be, okay? Uh, well, that's a bad hospital. There are sick people there. Really? Really? Thought that's what it was for. Well, well, that, that church, you know, I, I, I go in there and, and I, I see all kinds of people and they look like they have problems. And your point is what? I pastored a church one time where a very self-righteous individual came in and we were, uh, God was using us to reach in that small Wisconsin town some people that had significant spiritual needs. Uh, in fact, we had a homeless man that started to come. and that's a blessing. And this self-righteous man came up to me after a morning service and he said, "What is going around here? We have everybody coming to this church." Praise God. <laughs> I wanted to stomp on his foot, but that wouldn't have been of the spirit, and I said, "And your point is, what? We're the church." And in the book of Acts, the Lord was using the church to reach all kinds of folks for Christ. Remember, they waited in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Lord had given them their marching orders. Now they're praying, they're waiting in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes upon each of those believers, men and women, young people, everyone who was assembled there who knew the Lord received the Holy Spirit and after that, immediately, spirit, the spirit controlled church, people are drawn to that on the Temple Mount. Peter preaches, thousands are saved. And, and daily they're up there, they're praying, there's preaching, people are coming to Christ. It was wonderful. The spiritually minded believers recognize that there will be attack. Prayerfully, they address the problem and yield to the temptation uh, yield, and don't yield to the temptation to attack each other. And so in a church where God is working, there are going to be problems. But spirit-minded people address the problem. They don't attack each other. That was the early church. And so our study in Acts finds us in the sixth chapter where this church faces a significant problem because they are spirit-controlled and obedient to the Lord. Spiritual-minded people understand this because things pleased the Lord. So today we need to see that God-honoring churches will face problems that often accompany growth pains. In those times, they can continue to yield to the Holy Spirit for answers and for help, or believers can murmur and even turn against each other. Obviously, yielding to the Spirit of God, dealing with the problem, solving those biblically, that does please the Lord. Any murmuring, anything else, that doesn't. And so Acts 6 gives the church, our church even today, God's answer to growth pains God's answer to growth pains. Acts 6-1 helps us understand that the church in Jerusalem had a problem, and in fact had a distribution problem. So let's look at verse 1. In those days, and what was happening in those days? Well, apostles, chapter 5, were being persecuted now, had just been beaten, but they ceased not To teach and preach Jesus Christ in the temple and from house to house. Look at chapter 5, the last verse. Daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now what was the result? When the number of disciples was multiplied in those days, the number of the disciples, chapter 6, verse 1, was multiplied. Now the one leads to the other. Persecution? Absolutely. But not letting the persecution stop you, continuing to declare God's word when they assemble together to worship the Lord and the rest of the time going house to house. Now remember the Jewish leader Gamaliel, again chapter 5, had said that if this movement was of God, the leaders should not oppose it. What's happening now in chapter 6 is God proving once again that this was his work and the souls, as souls continue to come to Christ. But again, with blessing, the blessing of multiplication comes challenges. I'm so thankful that I can stand before this assembly today and and just praise God. Almost weekly we're seeing folks saved here. God continues to add to this church. But our leaders here are very aware with the multiplication. We have some challenges. We're going to be addressing those challenges, Lord willing, in the new year. We're already working on that. But those challenges aside, it can also cause problems. It can also cause problems. And here we see that there was a distribution problem. So read on, chapter 6, verse 1. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Now the word translated Grecians here is if you looked at it you understood the Greek letters, you would see that it's actually the word for Hellenists. These were Jews who had become part of Greek culture. How did they become part of Greek culture? Well, that's simple. You'll remember that up to this time, the history of the Jews had been one of people conquering their land. Uh, Israel itself had gone into captivity for 70 years. So you have these conquering empires, and when that happened, the Jews fled. They got out. And so they're all over what is now not the Greek Empire, but the Roman Empire. There are synagogues throughout the Roman Empire. They had adopted Greek customs. They spoke the Greek language. But they held on to their religion. And so at times like Pentecost, they would come back. They'd come back to Jerusalem. And they got caught up in, we know that the Lord was working, in in what happened at Pentecost and all these folks being saved. Some of them went back. Some of them stayed. And by the way, even in uh, Jerusalem and in those surrounding towns, uh, remember Galilee, that region is called Galilee of the Gentiles. All right? Uh, so you had Roman cities, these people live around these Greco-Roman cities. They've adopted their ways, but now they were being converted to Christ as well. They were coming back to worship. they'd moved back. Many had been saved. And so the Hellenistic Jews differed from the Hebrew Jews in background and language. And the Hellenists noticed that there was not equal treatment when it came to the care of their widows. Now, the scripture doesn't go into a lot of detail about this. It just says that some were being neglected and some were not. So we have to be careful if we cross that line to start to explain why the problem was there instead of just declaring what the problem was. Many Bible scholars, and this is sanctified speculation think that this was a problem with these, these cultures. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, because we see later that even when other uh, Greek Jews and, and the Greeks themselves uh, start coming to Christ, they're resisted. Uh, they, they try to impose on them uh, Jewish culture, uh, they they have a hard time even believing that these folks can be saved. Uh, though here it appears that they were uh, more accepting because these were actually Jews. And so it just reminds us of this: at the foot of the cross, the ground is equal. Your background doesn't matter when you're in the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, your education. Uh, your station in life, what you own or what you don't own. None of that matters when it comes to blood-bought children of God. Gender doesn't matter. Though, let me just add, in the Bible, there are just two genders. The way God made you. Man, woman, male, female. Just two. Okay? And so, equal footing at the foot of the cross because of the blood of Christ. But these widows were being neglected, and those who were Hellenists, Christians, who were from that background, they noticed wait a minute, and it was clear nobody's disputing this. Our widows are being neglected. Now, verse 1 again because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Uh, That's the distribution. Uh, Remember chapter 2 and verse 45, everybody gave of the abundance that they had. Everyone's needs were being met. And when it came to these widows, they had very specific physical needs. But the Hellenistic Jewish widows, these believers, were being neglected. Their physical needs were not being taken care of. And later, it's, it's even more specific when the disciples uh, or the apostles say we shouldn't leave ministry of prayer and the word to serve tables. So it helps us understand that they were not being fed. Their feeding was not being taken care of. They needed that basic sustenance. That was not being taken care of. Notice that the widows weren't doing the complaining. It was the Hellenists whose widows were were not having their needs met. So it it doesn't point to the widows here. Others were noticing these needs, and they noticed that there is a problem. The distribution problem quickly turned into another problem, though, and that is complaining. And this is where we cross over from, well, there's a problem, to now we've created another problem. That word murmuring is a Greek word that I hope you'll remember and maybe even be able to say it in your sleep, okay? Gagousmas. Say it with me. Gagousmas. Say it again. Gagousmas. If you're around a complaining Christian, just look at him and say, no gagousmas. <laughs> All right, say with me, no gagousmas. Okay. See, you're Greek scholars. You know a Greek word, gagousmas. Okay, go goosmas. All right, here we go. Now, this word is used three other times in the New Testament. I'm going to give you. Uh, Two of the other passages, Philippians 2.14, look at it with me. Do all things without murmurings, there's our word, and disputings. So no matter what you're doing, don't gagusmas. All right? No murmuring. So whether it's our daily work or our church work, do all things without low grumblings that come from a critical spirit that turn into critical words. Don't do that. We can even do this while we are serving each other's needs. Consider First Peter 4 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That word grudging, gagusmas. All right, show hospitality, to, but don't do it with a Griping, complaining spirit. Don't. Now this passage takes us back, 1 Peter 4, 9, back to Acts 6. Hospitality is meeting specific physical needs within the body regardless of who it is. But it should never be done with a complaining spirit or complaining words. Now let, let me just be very transparent here. It's easy for every one of us, as we're meeting somebody else's needs, to think here's the reason they have that need. Isn't it true? You know, they, if they were more careful with what they had, you know, if they would look for a better job, isn't that the way the flesh thinks? Use hospitality for one another, but don't do it with a murmuring spirit. Isn't it a blessing when you tell your kids to do something, and they jump up, and they start doing it, and all the way out the room, my sister never has to. Think about how God views it when we're given an opportunity to be a blessing, and we're complaining the whole time we're doing it. So the Holy Spirit wants us to understand spirit-filled people don't do this. Spirit-filled people have the discernment to recognize a problem, but it doesn't turn into griping and complaining. So the next time somebody comes to you, did you see, did you hear? No gagusmas. In fact, you can say it loud if you want so everybody else around you can hear. No gagusmas. All right. If you see a legitimate problem, communicate about it in love from a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled heart, even if it appears to be an injustice. But don't have a critical spirit and use complaining words. Don't do it. Now, it would have been easy in the midst of this distribution problem Remember, thousands saved. So, how's that translate into how many widows you have in a church? I know the size of this church and how many dear widows we have here and widowers. This was now probably upwards to 5,000 in this church. Do the math. All right, hundreds and hundreds of widows. It would have been easy to lose sight of what was most important. Oh no, people are complaining, people aren't happy, and. People's needs aren't being met. Oh, no, battle stations. That's not what the apostles did. In fact, it's at this very moment that they declare the doctrinal priority. Look at verse 2. Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. All right, what are they saying here? The word reason, it is not reason, it is not pleasing, it's not fitting, it's not desirable. That's what the word means. And and what are they referring to? It is not fitting, it's not desirable to God. They're referencing what he thinks. By the way, whenever you're problem solving, go to the Bible and see what God thinks. Because really what we think doesn't matter if it doesn't agree with what God thinks. That we should leave, it means to forsake the word of God and serve tables. The apostles understood this problem can consume us. Where we forsake the word of God and we give our energies to this problem. It's not fitting that we do that. Oh, what wisdom from the spirit. Now the text is not saying that ministering to the needs of widows wasn't important. It's not what it's saying because they're going to go and fix the problem to make sure those needs are met. What they're saying is it just wasn't to be the priority and the work of the apostles. What were their priorities? Again, leaving the word of God. Drop down to verse 4. Look what it says. But we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and to what? The ministry of the word. In fact, that bronze it is not just preaching. It's personal study. It's what they were doing house to house. It was the discipleship. It's it's the training. It's the ministry of the word. We could bring in here Ephesians chapter 4, the leadership gifts were given to the church. Verses 11 and 12. Apostles, prophets, the pastor teacher. For what? To train the saints to do the work of the ministry. For God to be glorified, a church and a church to remain healthy, for multiplication or disciple making to continue, notice spiritual feeding always must take priority over other kinds of feeding. You got to bring that from this text. Which table are we talking about? Are we talking about this table, or are we talking about other tables? Now, folks, do we need physical food, yes or no? Of course. Do widows need physical food? Of course. Okay. Does the church of Jesus Christ need spiritual food? Which is more important? (laughs) It's a spiritual. Obviously, and I know you know that and that you believe it, but the spiritual food is more important And so somebody's got to take time in the spiritual uh, kitchen to fix the spiritual food. Now, I've heard preachers, I've heard them on the radio, and I'm quite sure they didn't do any preparation. But they can breathe a lot, and they can make stuff up, and they can quote scripture and tell stories. That's not feeding. What does the word of God say? And that means that God's man has to be alone in the study with the Lord, prayer and with his word to be able to declare it. The doctrinal priority. Now, since there are no apostles today, the legitimate application here is to pastors. Pastor work is prayer and preaching the word. Someone else must meet the physical needs. Let me just share with you a danger, and I don't want any amens from my wife right now. No no amens, okay. Or other pastors' wives that are here. Get out the pom-poms. Here, listen, yes, yes, okay. Those who are servants love serving the Lord in all kinds of ways. This pastor does too. My farm upbringing doesn't change any of that. It makes it worse. I like to roll up my sleeves, get in there. If they're spreading mulch, I want to spread mulch. Okay? If somebody's running a weed eater, give me one. I, I like to do that. And I might even sneak out of the house and not Renee not know where I'm at. And, you know, but, but the point is this, in all seriousness. We, we love to serve. We need to be out front. We need to be an example, but God has given this preacher what his priorities are. And if what is happening takes me away from the prayer closet and the study, I'm out of the will of God. And the church is going to pay the price for that. The doctrinal priority. Now problems in a church can be a good thing if we use the problem to evaluate our priorities. What do our problems tell us about our priorities? Well, if we need more space to worship because when all the church comes in, we don't have room to put everybody, all right, that's a good problem. What does it tell us about our priorities? Folks are being fed and folks are being discipled, but really how well are we doing that? How should our problems be resolved in light of our biblical priorities? And and I love the book of Acts because it's like a mirror, and it needs to show us. Places like Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, really how many folks at Good News Baptist Church are involved in the Great Commission and helping folks who are saved become better disciples of Jesus Christ. How are we doing with that? As we come to the end of another ministry year, one in which we've seen God's blessing and we have seen significant growth, we need to remember that the status quo is not success. We must evaluate our work in light of the priorities that God has given His church. Whether it's this pulpit or that pew, what are God's priorities? Now, to maintain the doctrinal priority in the church, Look at what the Holy Spirit led the apostles to do. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of or controlled by the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. Now when we get to verse 5, we're going to see another uh, qualification here. They need to be full of faith. They need to be willing to believe God, trust God no matter what. This... Quality, this caliber of man whom we may appoint over this business. What's the business? Serving tables, making sure everyone's physical needs are met, including food. Now, this work was important as proved by the caliber of man needed to do it. Do you think that the Lord just wants to use anybody, or does he expect? to find people who are spirit controlled. Well I just work in the nursery. Need to be spirit control. Well I show up at work days. Hope you're spirit control. Well I I I just run electronics during a service, a timeout. God's got to do that work through you. All right? This work was important as proved by what these qualifications were. Now, these are personal qualifications, but it's the same qualifications we find in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 2 for the pastor. I think that's interesting. So again, let's go back, whether it's feeding from this pulpit or deacons who are helping to meet physical needs, including make sure that somebody has food on their table, which, which one requires less of the Holy Spirit's enablement? Both have to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Everybody. Well, it's just serving tables. It's just setting up for a fellowship. Wait a minute. You can do that in your flesh and please? No, you can't. Not please God. So again, this is what the Lord is showing us. Later, we'll see with the example of Stephen that a deacon needs to know doctrine as well. Now, we don't get an opportunity in Stephen's life to see if later he's going to be used as a preacher. Philip, we get to see that. He becomes an evangelist. Stephen preaches his first message, and they kill him. They stone him to death. But we're going to get to study that message. That guy was a theologian. He knew doctrine. Well, I'm just a deacon. Stop. You better know doctrine. Well, I just help out over here in this ministry. You better know your Bible. Well, I I just know. Stop. You better know your Bible, and you better be spirit-controlled. That's required of every servant of God, not just those who are out front in leading. Stephen was a man who had wisdom. And in verse 3, that word wisdom implies God's wisdom. Well, he's just practical. You can't be practical unless you're biblical. Read Proverbs. Where does wisdom and understanding come from? Every word of God. That's where it's sourced. So the distribution problem. In the early church led to a reminder about doctrine being the priority. Now notice what the text teaches us about the church members. I love this. They were a discerning people. A discerning people. Look at verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. The idea here is they bore witness to what they saw and what was happening. The spirit in them related to what had been proposed and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanter, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. By the way, what does that show us? This proselyte of Antioch, he was a Hellenist. They wisely included one of those guys in the distribution. But who chose him? The Holy Spirit did. Verse 6, Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, on these men. So a discerning people. It's interesting to me that the men chosen by the people were exactly who the Holy Spirit wanted. But it was confirmed By the praying and laying on the hands of the apostles. So notice what happened here. All right, you choose. The assembly chose these seven men. They bring these men to the apostles. The apostles say, okay, this should work. No, they prayed. They wanted affirmation from God about these guys. And when they got that affirmation, who the people had chosen were exactly who the Holy Spirit wanted, they laid hands on them and then sent them out to do the work. So which part of this equation is important? The the, the spiritual leadership in the church or the people in the church? Which is more, more important? You're not sure how to answer that because the answer is yes. The answer is yes. All right, so... How important is this? Right now we are asking this assembly to submit in writing names of men that you're recommending to be deacons here. Well, I like this guy. Well, he's been around a while. Have you prayed about that? And prayerfully gone to that person and said, you know, I'd like to recommend you for deacon. Would you pray about that? Write it down, submit it to a deacon who's already serving. And then we have a nominating committee. We pray over those names. All right, is this who we believe the Holy Spirit wants us to present to Good News Baptist Church so that these men can serve as deacons? Only two offices in the church. Pastor, teacher, deacon. Say, well, what about the elders? Pastor, teacher, deacon. Bishop. Pastor, teacher, deacon. The pastor is the elder and the bishop. By the way, we talk about that in new members class. Join us right after after this hour. All right. But but the point is this, folks. (sighs) If God's work is going to get done, it's going to have to be God working through his people. That requires spirit control. So there was a checks and balances here, led by the spirit himself. And it's how God dealt with growing pains, discerning people. This also tells me the murmuring hadn't taken root in the church but was overcome by other spirit-controlled members, leaders, those who who were part of that assembly. And I I have to pause and just say this is how murmuring is dealt with in a church. There are complainers everywhere, but they're held at bay if you have spirit-controlled people. Good news, we've had our times. <laughs> I remember in the, in the pastoral transition between Pastor Coles and myself, a lot of folks don't know this, our leaders do, there was one individual in particular who was a complainer and he was working it. And he dared to confront one of our spirit-controlled men in this parking lot right out here. But he was talking to a spirit-controlled man. And what happened next, he'll never forget, but it shut him up. Because that spirit-controlled man looked at him and said, Why are you talking about this? And why are you talking about this to me? Have you talked to the pastor about this? Now, that guy didn't last here. He went out from, uh, from us because he was not of us, that his works might be revealed that he was not of us. He went to another church and helped split that church. But what did God use here to stop it? A spirit-controlled man. Now, that's why it's so important that we have a discerning people. Notice the result. Verse 7, in the word of God, what? What's it say? Word of God, what? It increased. It doesn't say more people were saved. The word of God, the effects of the word of God being proclaimed, being preached, the gospel being given, it increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. And what's the next word? Greatly. Increased. Greatly. What's the Lord trying to show us? All right. This is the way you deal with problems. And and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I I could spend another 20 minutes talking about that last phrase. We're not. All right. But think about this. These priests behind the scenes, these guys that had watched all these things unfold, all right, all the way back to a guy named Zacharias who had an angel meet him behind the veil and tell him that he would have, the, as an old man, have a son who would be the forerunner to the Christ. And then Jesus comes along and he's preaching up on the Temple Mount. The, the Pharisee or the uh, priests, they see all of this. And what happened the day that Jesus died on the cross? It is finished, and they served in front of this great veil in the temple. And from the top to the bottom, God reached down and he tore that veil in two. These are the priests. And they're hearing this preaching and they're watching what's happening up on the Temple Mount. Oh, by the way, they're also aware that these apostles had just been brought in before the Sanhedrin and the high priest and had been beaten and threatened. But when these these men rejoice and continue to declare the gospel and and people's needs are being met, these, these were the shepherds of Israel, these priests. What happens? A great number of them now And it seems to indicate here that a majority came to know Christ as Savior. That is powerful. The religious establishment, those who are the foot soldiers for what the high priests and the Pharisees, these guys are being saved in numbers. Wow. Wow. Now connect the phrases in this verse to see what the Lord is showing us. When prayer and doctrine are the priorities of a local church and its leadership, true multiplication continues greatly and the results are powerful in that it impacts those entrenched even in other religions. Despite the threat of persecution, many priests were now being saved. How did the apostles know it? They knew it because these guys were coming out They were expressing faith in Jesus Christ, the priests, on the Temple Mount. And so let's close. What is God's answer to growth pains in the church? It's really simple. First, leaders must give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Distraction by other important matters must be viewed as a threat to the church's health. I know one pastor and he's, I'll tell you, he's bolder than I am. (laughs) People will come to him and say, pastor, we have this need. And he'll say, that's people work. Or they'll come and they'll say, we have this need. And he'll say, that's pastor work. He's helping them learn. People work. Pastor, the toilet's not, people work. Lord, there's someone who's straying from, from the Lord. That's oh, pastor work. Thank you for letting me know. All right. Second, God's people must be spirit-controlled to put away murmuring while also having the discernment to see problems. To see problems. And by the way, those problems need to be dealt with biblically. There are certain things that God allowed you to see because he expects you to deal with it. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, you go to such and one. Oh, where's the pastor? No, no, no. You go, Galatians 6, 1. Matthew 18. 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Timothy 5. All right, so have the discernment through the Spirit to see problems. Follow biblical solutions and then follow God's leading in resolving the church's needs. It's that simple. Now, if Good News Baptist Church will practice what we've seen this morning here in Acts chapter 6, God's going to continue to multiply us for His glory. I don't answer out loud, but You can share an amen. Would you like to see God continue to glorify himself here this way? Amen. 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 Can he do it? He can do it. But we've got to be dependent on him. God's answers to growth pains. May God continue to grow us and let's respond as he leads us. Father, thank you for this text today. Man is born unto trouble, but so are churches. The book of Acts reminds us that any work of God is going to face challenges from without and from within. But thank you for your answers. And Lord, it's as simple as each of us need to walk in the Spirit. And as you are doing your work through us, problems are solved. And Lord, the gospel's promoted. And so would you continue to help us to just love you, let you lead us. And God, would you guide us as we head into our 51st year, as you, Terry? May this be a place where you're exalted because you are doing your work through us. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we wanna encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.